0: As we get started this morning, let me ask you a question. Again, it doesn't matter how young or how old you are. I want you to think about this question for a minute. How well do you handle change in your life? Whether you are 7 or 17 or 70, when things happen in your life that you don't expect, when, when things happen that maybe you don't necessarily want to have happen in your life, are you able to easily roll with it? To see how God is perhaps working in the change, how it might actually be for your good. Or when those times of change come, does it just stress you out and make you upset? Can you think back to that time? For some of you, it's been a few more years than others. But can you think back to that time maybe when you had your first day at school? And everything changed that day, didn't it? No longer were you at home with mom and dad. You were actually having to go to a strange place with a bunch of strange people. And for a lot of us, that first day at school was a real challenge. It can be, that change is a real scary thing, isn't it? Yet for others of us, it's like, hey, this looks like a great opportunity here. And you enjoy it. For some of you, you you can think back to that time when you were a teenager or you were a young adult. And you had that first major breakup with the boy or the girl of your dreams, right? And some of you just thought, my life is over at this point. It will never be the same, right? And for others of you, you're like, well, God's got something better in store, right? I think about moves and how moves are one of those most difficult things we can go through in our lives when it comes to change, right? doesn't matter how old or young you are. When How many of you ever moved across the country at one point or another? Raise your hands. Yeah, most of us. Tucson is a place where we, we move to, right? We we're not usually born here. But moving is hard, isn't it? You, it moving means new job or new school if you're, young, if you're younger. It means new friends, new doctors, new dentists, right? New church new car repair man, new everything, right? Everything has to be new. Everything has to start over. And for some of us, we just look forward to making those changes. And for others of us, we just cringe at the idea of that change. What we're going to see today is that change just keeps coming throughout our lives, whether we like it or not. And for you kids in the room, heads up, grown-ups aren't always all that great with change either. I just have to tell you. Just because we're older doesn't mean we're good at this change thing. Sometimes, so in fact, sometimes when we get older, we're less patient and we're less tolerant of change than when we're younger. I mean, give you a perfect example. My dad. I'm going to bag on my dad for a moment because he's not here. He's 2,000 miles away. He doesn't do change sometimes nearly as well as I do. And a perfect example of this is cell phones. You know, I don't know about you, but on my cell phone every week, it lights up with this little red dot that says, I have new updates for apps in the App Store. I need to upgrade all these apps. And I see that little red dot there that says I'm supposed to do it. And I don't even think twice about it. Twelve apps need to be upgraded. Okay, fine, do it. My dad, I'll take his phone out, and it'll say he has 150 apps to update. He won't touch it. You know why? Why? because he knows if he pushes that button something might change on his phone and it will freak him out it will just disturb his week I get home, my, he, will not, he will not touch the upgrade button on his computer where you, you know, all these updates, he won't touch it because he's afraid it's going to screw everything up in fact my dad calls me several times during the year and he's upset and you know what he's upset about? He'll, yeah, no kidding, and th- this happened just a few weeks ago again son I need your help my bank moved the link. I'm supposed to push the button. It's, in the, it's supposed to be in the top right corner. It's not in the top right corner anymore. It's somewhere else. I don't know why they think they need to keep changing this every week. I don't know how they think that's helpful. Can you help me? I've got to rewrite my notes. He has notes on how to do these things for every website. Change. I mean, this is a guy who works on complex tractor equipment, thousands of pounds tractor equipment, making changes to it on a daily basis, but he's done in by the web link that moves from one side of the screen to the other. For all of us, sometimes changes in our lives are so super easy and we just kind of laugh and think, how could that be a challenge for you? But then another person can go through the same thing and that change just totally messes with them, right? It's true. For adults, you know, speak to some of you adults in the room, I think one of the most difficult changes that we face in life is this thing with our kids, right? I mean, They're born, and that change alone is big enough, right? All of a sudden, there's this baby in the house, and they don't know when to sleep. They don't know when to go to bed. They choose to wake up in the middle of the night. We lose our whole sleep patterns, right? And just when we start to see the joy and the fun in having a little baby, and oh, isn't this wonderful, then they hit the terrible twos and threes, and everything gets thrown up in the air again, Right? And then we get used to that, and then they're off to school in the adolescent years, and we're having to adjust to that. And we think, like, oh, whew. finally, maybe now things can just be normal for a little while, no more change. And then hormones kick in, right? And then everything changes all over again, right? Change can be really hard. I, I've spoken to some of you here in recent weeks where change has been hard because you're facing health cha- changes in your life for the first time. You're, you're getting news from the doctors, and you're finding out, that you won't be able to do things that you once were able to do anymore. And change like that can be super difficult. I'm sharing all this with you to say this, the world is always changing and we're having to change with it, like it or not. We can't stop change. Change is a part of life. We can. The only thing we can change is how we handle it, the perspective we have when that change comes, how we navigate through it. That change can make us bitter, or make us better. Today we're going to be starting a brand new series called Real Big Community. And this is a series where we're going to be talking about how we navigate through growth and change in our lives. But we'll also talk through this series about how we navigate growth and change here at Grace Community Church. Because churches do a lot of changing as they grow as well. I mean, it's unavoidable. But if we're focused on God's leading, as we're going to see through this series, and we're unified, and we're all playing a part in allowing God to use us, then we can each be a part of seeing God do incredible things in and through this place. Now, we're going to start today by talking about how important it is that we stay focused as God leads us through growth and change in our lives, that we trust God's plan in each of our lives, and that we trust God's plan for us as a community here together. To steal from the words of the the great Stephen Covey, here's what we need to remember today. We have to remember that the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Right? That's pretty simple. In other words, in all the things that we could be doing in our lives, we cannot lose track of the most important thing that Christ asks of us as followers of His. Many of you know what that is. Think about it. We'll be talking about that in just a moment why is this so important that we keep the main thing the main thing? Because the Bible says where there is no vision, people perish. In fact, the message paraphrase says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what He reveals, they are most blessed. Now, kids in the room, hopefully you received a packet as you came in. I want to encourage you, even as I'm talking to the bigger kids in the room, to, to use that packet and to think about some of the changes that's happening in your life and how God might be willing to speak through those changes in your family. Now, as I'm talking to some of you adults this morning, maybe you remember if you've been around grace for a little while, we did a series that looked kind of similar to this called Real Small Community. Back in January and February. And that basically that was a series where we talked about from the, from, the, from Acts chapter 2. The importance of living in small community together. Of being in small groups or life groups where we are known and we know each other. And we're growing in our faith together. How important intentional relationships are as part of our discipleship process to grow in faith. And what what you see between Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 15. Where we're going to be hanging out through this series on Real Big Community. Is... God started working as they started going small, as they started really working toward helping each other take steps closer to Jesus through small groups, through real small community. They really started to grow and that growth started causing tension in the life of the early church to the point that some tension started developed by Acts 15 that was threatening to tear the church in half. Look with me, if you would, at Acts chapter 15, if you have your Bibles, starting in verse 1. In fact, you can stick your bookmark there because we're going to be in this chapter for the next few weeks, just kind of going through it verse by verse and soaking up everything we can out of it. Acts 15, we'll start at the very beginning. It says this, While Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch of Syria, some men from Judea arrived and began to teach the believers this, Unless you are circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them, arguing vehemently. Let me pause and just set the scene for you just a minute here. This is about 50 AD. This is about 20 years after Jesus has died and did what only he said he could do, and that is raise. He predicted that he would rise himself up from the dead and he actually pulled it off. 20 years after that has happened. Paul and Barnabas are on their way back from their very first missionary trip outside of the Jewish world to tell people who aren't Jewish about Jesus. And they're on their way back, and they're at this place, this country known as Syria. And they're, they're in this one town called Antioch, and they see some other people there, other people who were followers of Jesus, Jewish background believers they started out as Jews but then they became Christians and they're talking to other people who don't know about Jesus and they're saying that unless you have this procedure, this medical procedure you can't be a Christian, period and Paul and Barnabas are furious now why is this happening what's going on here Let me tell you, in the midst of growth and change, the church starts to lose its focus for the first time. It forgets to keep the main thing, the main thing. What was the main thing? Maybe you've been thinking about this for a moment. What's the main thing in the life of the early church? What's the main thing in the life of our church and every other church, hopefully, that exists on planet Earth today? What is the, what's the main thing, what should be the main thing in all of our lives as followers of Jesus, even 20 centuries after this time? Well, it's found in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus made it very clear. Before He ascended into heaven, He said this, Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them. Teach them, new disciples, to obey all the commands that I've given you. In other words, every opportunity that God gives you every single day of your life, be open to share with those that you know about Jesus, and how they how to follow, how to grow closer in relationship with Him. Of all the things that God puts us here on earth to do as followers of His, that's the main thing, that we help people take one step closer to Jesus. We have, a, we have, a, we have jobs, we have careers, we have families, we have so many things. But Matthew 28 is that very clear, simple mandate from Jesus himself that says, regardless of your walk of life, if you choose to follow me, then your most important thing, your main thing is to tell others about me. That's the main thing. In fact, it came to be known as the Great Commission. Help as many people as you can who who are in your circles of influence to take just one step closer to Jesus. Now, some of these early Christians started telling people about Jesus, and they were different from them. As After this 20-year period, they, they were starting to reach out beyond Jewish circles to people who were very different from them, people who didn't have any Jewish background or Jewish uh, history, didn't, weren't raised in that culture. They were, in fact, known as Gentiles back in that day, including men that they were reaching out to who had not had this procedure as boys, and they thought it to be barbaric and repulsive. This was in a time when there wasn't modern anesthesia or antibiotics, and the death rate was high for medical operations. And, and these people are saying, these non-Jewish people are saying, you want me to do what? Why, why do you want me to do this? It, you're saying, if I don't do this, and if I don't follow all these laws from the books of Moses, all these hundreds of laws, then I can't go to heaven? Really? And, th- and these Jewish background believers who are showing up in Antioch, they're saying, "Oh yeah. yeah, we 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 have to. I mean, th- that's what the Bible, that's what the Old Testament says. You have to do all these things." And they start confusing that with being a follower of Jesus, and and you can see how all of a sudden something that we read from the passage of Scripture, and we think is so so you know simple, so so not a big deal for them, it was a huge deal. It was threatening to split the church. What do they do in this moment when they're, when tensions are rising on both sides and people are just angry with each other? Well, they have to go back to the main thing, don't they? Well, how did they do it? Let's, let's look in verses 2, start in verse 2. The first thing that they did is that they decided to start working through their questions, their problems together. Look at verse 2. It says, Finally, the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem, accompanied by some local believers, to talk to the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent the delegates to Jerusalem and they stopped along the way in Phoenicia and Samaria to visit the believers. And they told them, much to everyone's joy, that the Gentiles too were being converted. In other words, the leaders of the church see this tension that's rising, they see this change that's brewing, and that it has the potential to split the church. And they decide that what we need to do is we need to sit down together and we need to pray and we need to figure this out together. We don't need to ignore the problem. We don't need to delay dealing with it. We don't need to gossip about it. We, we know this is going to be an uncomfortable t- subject. This is going to be an uncomfortable decision. But we have to figure something out. We have to. And so they do that together. And the second thing they do is they, we see here in this verse I just read in verse 3 that they celebrate when the main thing is happening i mean look again at verse 3 it says even as paul and barnabas were heading back they told people much to their everyone's joy that the gentiles too were being converted in other words on their way back to the meeting as, as they're going down the road they're telling people they're telling people how people are finding christ And they're getting believers excited about what's happening. When they show up at this meeting, we see in verse 4, I believe, Paul and Barnabas, as soon as they show up at this meeting in Jerusalem, they start telling everybody, hey, before we start getting into business here, let's just remember what the main thing is and how hundreds of people are coming to know Christ. And they celebrate that together. Let me tell you, for us here at Grace Community Church, it is so important that we remember what the main thing is, that we never forget it. That's why, for me, it's so important that every time someone makes a pu- was ready to make a public profession of faith, that we celebrate it to the hilt. There are some churches that when someone wants to be baptized, they just kind of do it off on the side, you know. Maybe they put a one line in the bulletin that says, so-and-so got baptized last week. Not here. (laughs) Not with me. Not at Grace Community. If there's ever a reason to celebrate, it's that. When someone makes a decision to go from darkness into light, when someone makes a decision, they're not going to allow themselves to be the the dictator of their lives, but they're going to allow Jesus to be that. When someone decides that they're going to make Jesus their forever friend, then, hey, that is worth celebrating. That is worth getting up and having a party over. And so every time we have the opportunity, we baptized right in here in the room where we can all celebrate together. That's what the early church is doing here. They're remembering as they keep the main thing the main thing, they remember to celebrate every opportunity they get when the main thing happens. The last thing that I see here in verse 4 is as they remember this main thing, this big priority, they're always remembering to keep, make sure everyone, everyone feels welcome. Look at verse 4. It says, When they arrived in Jerusalem, Barnabas and Paul were welcomed by the whole church, including the apostles and the elders, and they reported everything that God had done through them. You see, this community of believers, this community of leaders, they valued each other. Even when they had different opinions, different backgrounds, different beliefs, they made sure that their welcome was always genuine and caring. You see, here in this part of Acts, as well as the whole book of Acts, that relationships matter. The truth is, there are a lot of churches today where this gets lost. I don't think it's intentional, but when, we, when, we, when relationships are not a priority in a church, people get lost in the crowd. Maybe you've been, had an experience like that in your own life where you've been to a church, and you could, you could disappear for a month, and no one would even notice for us, we hope, we pray that never happens. We hope that we stay a community that know each other so well, that are so welcoming, that pay such attention to, re- to people because relationships matter, that if you're gone that we pick up on it. That's important to us. May we be always a place where relationships matter. You know, I mean, I'm so excited on Sunday mornings when I see that there aren't, there aren't just a handful of people out in the breezeway greeting people as they come in. But pretty much everybody's in the breezeway between services. Everybody's there greeting and connecting with each other because why? Because we've determined that relationships are important. Relationships matter here at Grace. Community, real authentic community, it matters. I could give you guys, I can't tell you how many examples I've heard of this happening here on Sunday mornings. I'm not going to share with you an example of what happens on Sunday mornings. I'm going to actually share with you an example of what I have heard is happening on Sunday nights in our student ministry. One of the things just recently that really encouraged me is this student who showed up at the Blender a while back, I won't give you his name, but this student showed up, and he didn't go to church anymore. He hadn't been to church in a really long time because he had been rejected at a couple of churches he had been to. He had been there, and they made him not really feel welcome because he has usher's syndrome. In fact, his mother works at a church But he didn't even feel comfortable going to that church's youth group because of how he was treated, how he was not really made to feel welcome at all. He was looked at as different. You see, because of his usher syndrome, he's almost totally deaf, he's night blind, and he's losing his peripheral vision as time goes on. Other students here at Grace Community, the first Sunday night he showed up, they went way, way above and beyond making sure he felt welcome, that he felt included, that he felt a part. And they're still doing that every week to make sure that he feels like grace is a place for him just as it is for them. And you know what? This young man, he never misses a Sunday. Grace, let me tell you, as we grow, it's going to be easy to lose this. As we grow, it's going to be tempting to not keep the main thing the main thing. It's going to be easy to do those things that are most comfortable to us, those things which suit ourselves, and we dare not. We dare not do that. Here's how many years ago we rephrased Jesus' mandate to us in our vision statement at Grace Community Church. This is a statement that we wrote years ago and we still hold, and we hold up high as our main thing every week. It is, it is this, that we value having real, authentic community where we challenge each other to be fully devoted followers of Christ who share Christ's love with Tucson and the world. That's the main thing. That's the thing. If we let go of anything at Grace Community, we will not let go of that. That is one thing we will continue to hold high because guess what? It's what Jesus has asked of us. We are growing here at Grace because we are keeping the main thing, the main thing. We're telling others about the love of Christ and they're coming here. And people are finding out just through connections in the community and they're showing up here to find what we have here and discover it for themselves. On Sunday mornings, on Sunday nights, and even through Friday night life, through divorce care, through grief share, through Hope Spring, through Alpha, through all these things that happen during the week, so much so that on many nights during our weeks here at Grace, there's no room for anyone to meet. I mean, there are times on, during the weeknights when people are meeting in my office because there's no other space to meet in. Even student and children's ministries are growing through, because of these same great challenges. It's why, it's why our leaders feel right now that we should band together and build a children's ministry center here on the Grace Campus in 2017. And it's why as we grow that we are looking to hire a family ministries pastor who keeps our focus on discipleship as we grow. That we keep the main thing the main thing, whether we're adults or children, doesn't matter. One specific area where our students and children's ministries are growing is with families of children that have children of special needs, physical disabilities, and conditions like uh, like autism and Aspergers and more. Even at risk kids who are in the foster system who are needing a stable home or family and they don't have one to speak of. You know, it's easy to see growth and to forget that it's all about people. That each child, that each adult who shows up here on a Sunday morning or a Tuesday night or a Thursday afternoon, they have a story. They have a story of what God is doing in and through their lives. And sometimes in the masses and in the crowds, it's easy to forget that. One such family that comes to my mind at Grace here, here is, is a family. It's the Keys family uh, here at Grace. Brian and Marta Keys, they're parents of a gap house nearby, which provides a home now for 10 at-risk foster kids in our community. Brian and Marta, I tell you, these two are my heroes <laughs> I want to encourage you to give them a warm, grace welcome as they come up on the stage for just a moment. Brian, Marta. Now I know from you know enough of your story to know that you've been actually working, taking care of foster kids now for a good three years here in Over Valley, but even before that in Florida. This is something that's really passionate for you, but I tell you, as I have heard your story, as I have heard you share what your day looks like, it scares me. There's no way I would touch your day with a 10-foot pole. Could you tell us a little bit about, what what is a normal day like in the Keys home?
1: We don't have normal days. (laughs) Um, I think briefly I'll just share some things that maybe you and your natural kids don't have. We have kids showing up at 2.30 in the morning coming in down a dirt road. It's very dark and it feels like 20 miles even though it's two. We take kids back to be reunited with family. Sometimes it's, you know instantly they shouldn't be there. and But then you have to go to the DCS office and get three more kids and you're crying your eyes out and, but then you got to be positive for those kids. Hmm. Um, the day constantly changes. Like you were saying, how do you deal with changes? Um, I think with our kids, the only constant in their life is change. So it's very hard. And we just wanted to provide some stability for them.
2: In the middle of the day, we had to be managing like miniature CEO's calendar because they have appointments with dentists, lawyers, therapists, uh, all kinds of appointments. So we manage and juggle through the day to make sure that they are taking care of all their needs. Plus, if somebody calls from a school and says that somebody has an accident, has to be go to rush to the ER, it's not necessarily they are in the neighborhood, but they are in the east side of the town. So things like that happen quite often.
0: Now, um, how did caring for kids at risk become your main thing, your expression of the main thing. What's happening in your lives? What has happened to bring you to this point?
2: Um, I want want to talk about a little experience I have. Um, uh, Since younger, I always cared for people in my neighborhood. And When I was in the youth days, I had this opportunity to work and mentor 150 kids in my community. Um, and I everything I do when they in recreation, any aspect I tie with the gospel and I start seeing the planting the season those kids can produce and after twenty years now, I' still receiving feedback from them i 'm married to the right person, so you know, and so, so things like that so I think it's so worth it and that uh, put us um, make us sensitive to come and minister to this kids here hmm.
1: Mine would be because I was adopted when I was a year old. I don't know my natural parents. And um, in 1990, I was in El Salvador at an orphanage for two weeks doing a short-term mission trip, and God really um, renewed what was important to me. I saw those kids there who were there because their parents were killed in the war going on, that they were abandoned on the streets. Their parents were prostitutes. Or drug addicts, yet these kids were so happy, and they had nothing. Nothing. Every, kids here take so much. There's they have so many things here. Even poor families are rich compared to these countries, and so I just want to provide a home like my mom and dad provided, like God gave me, where there was joy, love, and peace, and that's what we're trying to do.
0: Amen. You how how do, you, how do you how do you do it? How do you how do you not get how do you keep the main thing, the main thing? How do you how do you love? How do you disciple these kids when just getting through a day has to be a challenge and how do you keep from getting discouraged? How do, how are you encouraged through those times?
1: Well, I am a massive introvert, so of course God puts me in a house with 10 kids. <laughs> So you realize you can't do it, and you have to depend on him. Now, I would like to think the kids did not see me being frustrated or upset, but they do. They'll tell you. I can't hide things, but at the end of the night when they go to sleep, I spend at least two to three hours um, in private worship, music, um, reading the Bible. But most of the time I just cry. And I sob sometimes that I have the worst headache you can imagine. And that's because um, the Holy Spirit's praying through me. Romans 8.25 says, The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And the key is Jesus. That's how I do.
2: Um, I think in the middle of the craziness of the day, we need to, I, I feel like I need a pause and I need to hear God's voice. I just sit quiet, try to listen what he has to say, because sometimes I don't have the answers and I need wisdom know what to do in this or that particular situation. And um, one thing important is asking him, give me just the strength and the love for tomorrow so I can keep going one day at a time.
0: Yeah. A few months ago, you guys found Grace Community and been coming ever since. How has Grace been helping you in your own unique challenges of life?
1: Well, first of all, can everyone here who was part of Vacation Bible School and who's part of children ministry and youth ministry stand up for me? Anyone who's, who's helped and volunteered in that? Well, let's give a huge round of applause for all of you folks. Our younger kids came to vacation Bible school, and it was really cool how someone decided. um... (laughs) If you can't tell, these are our kids. but our our young kids came and someone made the decision to let our middle school and high school age kids volunteer and be part of it. And when that was all over, we had been visiting different churches and they said, we wanna come here because um, they love us. So thank you all.
0: You know, one of our G-City projects in a, in a few weeks is going to actually be you'll have the opportunity to serve with them at a Gap House and be able to love on kids. So if that's one of the projects you want to do that weekend, we want to encourage you to stay tuned for that. But as we wrap up this morning, let me ask you guys, how can we be praying for you as a community for what you go through each day? How, we, how can we support you?
1: Just pray for me that through the frustrations of the system, which is broken, and sometimes cares more for the adults than the children. Um, that I just allow Jesus to love the kids through me, and um, I get less of me and more of Him. Mm-hmm.
2: The, the Lord, the, the Lord, love the kids through my arms and my voice. They, they can hear the encouragement of a mother that maybe they know have, or they has been no there for them.
0: Thank you guys so much for being a part of our community. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
1: This is totally on schedule. I know you You tell people they can come for prayer at the end of the service. I would love if we just did that but prayed for healing emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually for anyone. Because I know I need it. And my kids need it. I'm sure there's other people. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you. Grace family, if if we keep the main thing the main thing, we're going to continue to hear stories like this all the time. More than ever before, we as a community, we need to stay focused. We need to remind ourselves every single week that it is all about Jesus. Staying laser-focused as a real, authentic community, sold out on being fully devoted followers of Christ, who don't keep that to ourselves, but who share Christ's love with Tucson and the world. Let me ask you this morning, will you stay focused with us? Will you help me here at Grace to keep the main thing the main thing? as we serve, as we worship God here, as we grow here, and as we grow in our own lives, let's never forget to keep the main thing the main thing. Amen? Amen. In closing, I want to make this personal to you. How might God be calling you to be more focused on the main thing in your life? Is God stirring into you and your heart in some way this morning? Let me ask you this morning, what distracts you from the main thing? What are those things in your life, those good things that keep you away from the best thing? The thing that Jesus has asked of you, that you come alongside those you know and you help them take one step closer to Jesus. What, what would it take for you to keep the main thing, the main thing every day of your life? Would you pray with me? Lord, I just want to thank you for this opportunity today. Lord, I want to thank you for this full room of adults and kids who are learning and growing together and experiencing community together. Lord, I thank you for Sundays like this when we can remind ourselves that we do, we're better together. We're better as a, as a community when we're able to worship you together from 6 to 60 and beyond. Lord, this morning, you've really spoken to us and you've been challenging us to keep the main thing the main thing. Lord, forgive us for those times when we get distracted. Forgive us for those times when we get so busy and so preoccupied with the day-to-day challenges of life, with the change that's coming in our lives, with the growth in our lives that we forget to keep the main thing the main thing. Lord, in those moments when we're distracted, would you remind us how to stay focused? Lord, even now as we are here in this room with every head bowed and every eye closed, Lord, I ask that you would show us the faces in our minds of those people we know who are our main thing. Those people that we know that you've put in our lives to encourage, to love, to support, to help take one step closer to Jesus by our example and by our words of encouragement. In challenge. Lord, may those faces be in our minds and our hearts every single day. Lord, would you speak to us in those times when we feel like there's nothing we can do to remind us that we just need to be faithful and to keep the main thing the main thing, every opportunity we get. Lord, we pray for Brian and Martha and that beautiful family. We ask that you would use us to continue to love and support them and all of our families that are coming here with kids at Grace Community Church every single weekend from from teenagers all the way down to little babies. Lord, we pray that you would use each of us as adults to love them and to every time we're in those classrooms, Lord, remind us to keep the main thing the main thing. When we show up here to serve at Divorce Care or Grief Share or Alpha or Friday Night Live or all these other opportunities, Lord, remind us to keep the main thing the main thing. Lord, we love you and we are so grateful that you are doing what you're doing here at Grace. Lord, we see your fingerprints all over the place here. We know that you're at work and we are just, we're just privileged to be a part of it. Lord, as we wrap up our time this morning, I pray that we'll be able to celebrate well as we have lunch, as we enjoy each other as families. And may we always, even as we leave here and we ride down the hill and we go back to our jobs and our schools, remind us, Lord, to keep the main thing the main thing. In Jesus' name, amen.